Welcome to Shout Out Patriots. I'm Martin Moyer, your host. And we have a very special guest with us today to talk about an astounding victory in Florida. But before we get to this special guest, let me introduce to you our regular guests. We have Pastor Jason Bender of the Patriot Church, Alec Rooney who is our news editor, Michael Moyer, who's the producer of this show, the chairman of Christian Action Network, and an attorney, David Carroll. Every morning, I wake up and I read the news, and I'm depressed afterwards, right? I mean, it's just like one astounding defeat after another, just craziness going on throughout the world, and not just about social issues. It's about everything, you know, people getting uh, crazily punched in the street or thrown onto subway tracks for no apparent reason, uh, you know, people dying in the streets of drug overdoses. It just astounds the mind how you can wake up and just immediately start your day off being depressed. But that was not the case on August 23rd when I woke up and I read this incredible story about this victory that took place in Florida over school board uh, elections. And that's why we have Adrian Rossetti here, and he is the Head of Coalitions and Candidate Recruitment for the 1776 Project PAC. Uh, welcome to the show, Aiden. Thank you for having me. So uh, what I read here, and I was completely shocked, was that 25 candidates were up for election for school board, and they were conservative candidates. And out of those 25, 20 won their election that they were running for and flip some major major school districts in florida absolutely and i don't want to steal the thunder away from aiden so tell us aiden what what is remarkable about this uh, story so the the florida school board elections were huge as you've already said uh some of the biggest flips uh that we had was miami dade which is you know formerly at least a, a pretty heavily uh, liberal area and we ended up flipping that school board with a majority conservative um, board now. And it's one of the largest school districts in the country. I believe it's the fourth largest and has over 300,000 students. And now those 300,000 students are going to have, you know, school board members who want parents to be involved in the education of their children, to be involved in these educational decisions, to see what are, what's in the school libraries, to see what their teachers are teaching uh, their children for eight hours a day. And we also, on top of that, flipped, I believe, four other school boards from majority liberal to majority conservative. So what I have is uh, Miami-Dade flipped, Duval flipped, uh, Martin flipped, Clay flipped, and Sarasota flipped. That's uh, five school board districts that flipped in the state of Florida overnight. Uh, boy, there had to be a lot of crying in the streets from the liberal educators after that and very depressed. I used to work for the Sarasota newspaper, and I'm sure that they were crying there. <laughs> Aiden, so you said we we flipped, right? You're, you're part of an organization called the 1776 Project Pact. Can you let our listeners know, and also us, you know, we're not so informed about uh, what your organization does. Can you let us know how this 1776 Project Pact came in and assisted these uh, conservative candidates to come in and, and flip these school boards. Sure, and and I'll add one more thing onto that. It's it wasn't just uh, us, the pack. There were a couple other groups that we uh, worked with, and I'm I'm happy to expand on that in a second. Uh, the 1776 Project Pack is a super pack, uh, otherwise known as an independent expenditure committee, which basically means that we can raise and spend unlimited amounts of money uh, with certain restrictions to support these candidates 
And the way that we support school board candidates in particular is by sending out uh, mailers in support of them or text messages, the text messages you get on your phone that say, go out and vote on this state for these people. That could have been us. Uh, we also sometimes do digital ads as well, but our primary method of support for these school board candidates has been sending out mailers um, in support of the people we want to win, saying, you know, get out to vote on the state, support these people. They want parents to have a voice in the education of their kids. They support these things or they don't support these things. And, you know, they want to hold teachers and administrators accountable. Now, most people uh, up until, I guess, COVID could care less about who their school board member was. And then COVID hit. And all of a sudden, parents were paying attention to what their children were being taught. Uh, would you credit the COVID epidemic as being responsible for the sudden interest in who is on my school board as a school board member? Without a doubt. Uh, some of the biggest reasoning or one of the largest uh, reasons I've seen interviewing and vetting these school board candidates has been um, from lockdowns. Either they joined parent groups originally to resist the school boards locking down um, students and sending them home for virtual learning in the first place, or even uh, getting originally involved in the anti-mask parent groups that have popped up in school districts and communities all across the country. Uh, and, and then afterwards, you know, when we see the effect of masks and virtual learning, these parents get to see firsthand what their teachers are saying in the classroom. So we've definitely seen a, a huge effect from the pandemic lockdowns, from the mask mandates that has pushed parents into being more uh, proactive in what's happening at schools. Yeah, so in Sarasota, it was a 3-2 liberal majority, and now it's a 4-1 conservative majority. I mean, that is a tremendous flip there. Um, so much as if uh, you know, the liberals, uh, school board members, or attempts in that state just don't stand a chance anymore trying to push through any of their critical race theory or you know anti-white uh, sentiments that they are right. promoting in so many other school districts around the country. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the effort that you guys put into the Sarasota school board election? Yeah, I mean, we, we worked uh, with Bridget Ziegler, who I think has been one of the most um, outspoken school board candidates and members that we've worked with in Florida. Um, and and we, we recognized, you know, speaking with her um, and the other candidates, that this was a huge opportunity. And it, not even just Sarasota, but we've we've heard stories from the other school school districts in Florida that made us realize, you know, this is a big problem in what is now you know getting to be a pretty comfortable conservative state, and people really need to be aware of what's happening or it'll sneak up on you again. Uh, for example, Clay County, which is one of the counties we heavily participated in, they didn't allow one of the parents to read an excerpt from a book in the school library because they said it violated um, the, the rules around what they could put on television, which is ridiculous. That happened at a school here in Virginia, too. Yeah, and, and it's happened in Virginia, and it's happening all over the country, even in uh, conservative areas. And we actually worked with uh, Moms for Liberty, and I know Governor DeSantis made a lot of endorsements 
of School Board candidates. So we we collaborated, um, you know, as much as we could to support the same candidates uh, to not compete against each other and make sure we we did get real conservatives elected wherever possible. Now I think this is kind of interesting because. Uh I heard that a lot of the liberal school board members in Florida were aware that uh, they were about to be defeated by these conservative candidates that were running against them. And they started running ads pretending that they were the conservatives and not the ones that were running against them. And now we have a a board member who lives in Florida. And uh, right before coming on the show, he sent me something I thought was very, very interesting. In Clay County, there was a uh, school board member. Her name is Janice Caracas. I guess that's how you pronounce her name. Uh, she's very liberal, but she has an. She ran an ad, and I'm going to read to you what was on her ad. She said that she's all for protecting parental rights. She's physically conservative. She stands against critical race theory, and uh, uh, that she has all the support of the Republicans in her community. And uh, it was a big lie. She's none of those things. Wow, a, a liberal playing dirty? A little what playing dirty. Shock. <laughs> so, lying about something? Dissembling, <laughs> saying something false? Yeah, so she put this ad out and pretending to be a conservative, I guess, you know, hoping that she would sway all these uh, massive voters that were finally coming out to vote for conservative school board members and hoping that uh, oh, she was safe. But she wasn't safe. She actually got defeated by Aaron Skipper. And it wasn't even close. Uh, Aaron Skipper got 54.6% of the votes, and as an incumbent, she only got 33.2%. So her little strategy did not pay off at all. Were you aware of, of this particular campaign she was running? No, well, that's, I have to say, that's the first I've heard of that particular strategy, but I know we, I did speak with Aaron, and Aaron was one of the candidates we supported um, in that county. So I, I'm certainly not surprised that the uh, voters in that area did not fall for a trick like that. Aiden, so that would lead to a question. So how do you as the PAC, how do you identify candidates? Number one, do they come to you? Do they approach the, the PAC? Or are you searching and seeking candidates to, to support and to help be successful? And finally, how are you vetting candidates? How are you making certain that uh, you know, you're not supporting a candidate like Martin just mentioned? Uh, it's a little bit of a mix of both. Uh, we do have an, an endorsement application form uh, publicly listed on our website. Um, and, and we actually got so many applications after Florida that we've had to stop wow. uh, taking any for the rest of the 2022 election cycle. Um, but we have people that fill out the form organically, uh, whether by reading any of the hit pieces about us um, and being interested or um, other other incumbent school board members or people we've worked with in the past recommending that they go and fill this out. We also have um, had local groups, uh, local PACs, local nonprofits, local unincorporated parent groups, things like that, reach out to me directly and say, we have a list of candidates we would like you to support if you can. Uh, and there are a couple ways we go about it, but every single candidate that we endorse, I speak with. Um, that's primarily my job as head of coalitions, candidate recruitment. I talk to just about every single parent organization, nonprofit, PAC, uh, 
sometimes consultants who work with more than one candidate. I speak with all of them, and I speak with the candidates themselves. And I run through the basic questions we have on our form. I go through them again in more detail, talking about um, or w with these potential candidates and endorsees, what kind of campaign are you running? What are your values? How much do you understand about the community? Do you have the support of any other organizations in the community? Um, and I just go point by point, and I really make sure that they understand what they're talking about um, and that they recognize what the issues are where they live. We are primarily focused on the, the critical race theory, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion component of these uh, school board races, but we still do want people um, who know uh, what they want to do on the school board besides uh, just making sure that these things never take root because uh, it's very important to be well-rounded. Uh, when it comes to working with these other groups, uh, for example, the big one, Moms for Liberty, is a has grown uh, tremendously. I believe they have over uh, 100,000 members and, and chapters and over half of uh, states in the U.S. now, and we worked pretty heavily with them. Uh, they Their local chapters vet all of their candidates ideologically for just about you know the same reasonings uh, that we do and I was able to develop common understanding with a lot of these chapters and with the candidates they supported so we we knew we'd be able to support the right people um, and double check to make sure that you know they're not fake conservatives because it is a risk you know we're coming in as a national group uh, to different communities and clearly I, I've not lived in these places my whole life I and most, many of the times I have not ever stepped foot um, in these districts. So it's very helpful um, and honestly ideal, something we look for, uh, to talk with people that live in the school district, that you know go to school there, shop there, work there, um, interact with other people in these conservative circles. Um, Aiden, I don't want to, you to give away any... Uh strategic secrets or anything, but you mentioned the 20, 2022 election cycle, and uh, where where do you see the next uh, big, I don't want to say battle, but what, what are you focused on right now? What should we all be looking at? Where are things going to happen? Well, you know, there are the, the Florida runoffs. Uh, the, those will be relatively important. Um, it, the, the school board elections are, are insane. I, not a lot of people know this, but not all school board elections are on the regular primary days. There are a lot of elections that are um, off cycle or even off year off cycle. And, um, and so people don't know about them and they don't turn out to vote. So it's very, very irregular when you're operating on a nationwide scale. With that said, in <laughs> all these endorsements that I have gotten, we, we have focus on a couple states um, where we have the the largest amount, and a lot of them are, are going to be familiar. Um, Texas, where we had victories in May, is, is still very much um, building up in terms of parental activism and, and fielding these, these really conservative school board candidates. Florida, with, with the elections and the runoff elections in November, is still going to be important. Um, you know, and there, there are special elections all over the place. I don't want to give away too much, um, but I believe we, we have a map that's showed applications from 
Arizona, Georgia, Florida, Michigan, uh, Indiana, Illinois. Uh, Any inter- in- interest interest from blue states? All over. Uh, we we get interest from all over, and especially from the blue states. Uh, we've had we've had applications and, and interest in Massachusetts and California and, and things like that. And we actually have participated in elections in blue states before. When we got started last year, one of our first flips was a school district in Colorado, and um, we elected, we helped elect the new majority there, and and they immediately, you know, suspended the the DEI program and had to deal with all these teacher strikes, which was an important lesson to to sh- that tells people, you know, you actually can change things, even if it doesn't seem winnable. There is always a way to win, and that's engaging with the parents who care about their children, care about their children's education. Uh, we also got involved in races in the past in Pennsylvania and helped elect people there where they hadn't elected a Republican um, in that specific county since, I believe, the 1980s. So th- there, there is a way to win even in blue areas, and that's not something we rule out. Now, I suppose that you are going to anticipate a big blowback from all the teacher unions out there that uh, I guess they were feeling quite comfortable that the average American did not pay attention to school boards, and uh, they could pretty much cherry-pick who they want to put in these uh, positions. But now that they have this strong opposition, uh, I'm imagining that they're going to want to start fighting back with some big dollars and uh, trying to defeat these conservative candidates that are popping up. Uh, are you hearing wind of this? Are you experiencing any of it yet? Yeah, well, people don't realize the influence of these teachers' unions, um, even in states where the, the unions might not be all powerful. Uh, they're still a pretty powerful force. And e- even with races that we haven't been involved in, but where I've spoken with the candidates, they tell me, you know, the minute we start mentioning parental rights and education, and being against CRT and being against inappropriate books in schools, and they start gaining any kind of grassroots momentum, the teacher union candidates will dump so much money into these races far beyond, you know, sometimes two, three, four, five times beyond the average amount raised and spent in those uh, races in those areas just to make sure that their preferred candidate wins. And that happens in Maryland, that happens in places, uh, you know, in the South, anywhere the teachers unions has power. Uh, if anyone starts going against what they want, they will, they, they have, and they will probably continue to dump extreme amounts of money to make sure that, you know, nothing ever challenges them. Uh, so in Miami-Dade County and, and in Sarasota County, uh, did the National uh, Teachers Union start dumping a lot of money against the conservative candidates there? Because if they did and they still lost, well, that doesn't bode well for the power of these uh, NEA-type uh, organizations and their efforts to defeat conservative candidates. Uh, they could be just throwing their money in the wind. And I, I have heard that you know the teachers' unions has or have started dumping money um, that that comes a variety of different ways, you know, whether by creating, uh, forming their own new PACs uh, or making direct contributions. Um, that's something that we did see in Florida. Uh, we will probably continue to see it forever and ever and ever. But money isn't everything. Uh, it's definitely important when it comes to elections. 
and that's why we exist you know we we want to be able to give an extra boost to these candidates especially in races that could be very close um we, we don't have unlimited resources uh, we are very limited in what we can do to support candidates um, but every little bit counts and if the candidates themselves work hard, they engage with their community, with their parent groups, and you know, hopefully get support, um, financial support from groups like us or from other uh, areas, then they'll be able to win. How many races are you focused on between now and November? And then after November, then what? Well, uh, I will say that the, the endorsement, the number of endorsement requests that we received um, after Florida has reached over 300 at this point um, across the country. And to put that into perspective, Florida was our biggest uh, number of races at one time, and that was 49, uh, plus, plus a 50th race in Oklahoma. Um, and out of this 49, 71%, I believe 35 won or are heading to the runoff elections. Uh, we are hoping to support as many candidates as we can going into November. I, I don't have the exact amount. I'm still working my way through all of the applications and, and vetting these people and making sure that you know they, they are who they say they are. They believe what they say they believe. And um, in some cases, working with local organizations uh, to get as many people as possible. Um, so I. We are looking at over 200, over 300 candidates at that point. I'm sure that'll be narrowed down depending on where the hotspots are and, and what our resources allow. But it, it's it's a hell of a lot more than it was uh, a year or two ago. You caught my interest on this vetting the candidates issue. So I'm kind of curious, uh, how frequent is it that you come across someone that's pretending to be a conservative? It's, uh, I mean, it's relatively frequent, uh, and, and there have been, you know, instances in the past where we, we've gone through a, a process and we've talked to candidates and maybe even supported them, and, and they don't do quite what they say they would, um, which is a, a risk in any given political race. Um, but it certainly is common, and that's why it's so important for us to work with local organizations. Um, now, as far as a very liberal person going and running advertisements saying that they're against critical race theory and they're fiscal conservative, I don't know how prevalent that part is, but definitely people who, um, there are people who say they are more conservative uh, than they actually might be. And a lot of that is simply because uh, some people don't realize the reality of being in elected office and, and dealing with the pressure from lobbyists and lawyers and teachers unions and and really really outspoken activist um, liberals and leftists so some people can get cowed um, i certainly don't blame them for that uh, and there are a fair amount of people whose bark is larger than their bite but there are just as many people who uh, will do what they what they say they've done and, and hold up uh, with their values how do you vet people how do you weed out people? It's, you said it's mostly by talking to 
to other local residents? Yeah, we, we, we do a, a variety of different things. One of the most important is getting FaceTime. Uh, I speak with all of the candidates for about an hour and I, I go through, I, I don't want to get into too many details, but we do go through the specific issues in the community, um, specifically, you know, the CRT, uh, DEI or inappropriate book. Um, I go through some of the more egregious examples I've heard. I, in part to one, gauge their knowledge of how bad it can be uh, in general, and also to kind of see what has happened in the county and do they even know what's happened in the first place. So that's one of the first steps. Do they know what CRT is? Do they know what the natural conclusion of diversity, equity, inclusion is? Um, and there have been people I've talked to that, um, you know, in these forums will type out you know, I'm against CRT, I'm a, against DEI, and then I get on a call with them and uh, I ask them, you know, what, what do you think CRT is? Or how has CRT shown up in your community? And they'll sit there and they'll say, well, what is CRT? Uh, and at that point, you know, I, I know that they're never going to know what they're talking about, uh, maybe in a couple of years, but certainly not worth uh, the effort at that moment in time. And, uh, we also, the, one of the other big parts is, like I said, going through uh, these grassroots groups in many cases, but also established um, conservative groups uh, that we know have been taking the fight to a lot of these activists. Moms for Liberty, like I keep mentioning, is, is one of the bigger ones. Um, there are a lot of parent groups that have the best interests at heart. And a lot of the time, uh, I. I just give them advice. I say, you know, you need to be looking out for these things. We may not be able to support you or, you know, you may need to learn a little bit more about what's happening in your school board and here are the ways to do that and here are some people you can talk to uh, to be more efficient at, at making people aware of this and we'll talk to you next cycle. Um, the vetting process is, is relatively dynamic um, and I mean, if somebody has a, a particularly strong understanding of campaigning, a strong understanding of the community issues, um, and they actually know what CRT is, what DEI is, and in many cases have outlined possible solutions for what they want to do, especially with the majority, then, then that's a, um, a pretty good way to catch our attention. Uh, I got a final question here because I think, uh, you know, a lot of people that are watching or listening and are maybe even thinking about, well, what if I want to run for a school board member as a school board member are asking themselves, how difficult can this be? Uh, do they have to have certain qualifications? Uh, what's their chance of being able to raise the money? How to much money succeed? does it take? Yeah. What does it take? You know, are they going to have to go out and start knocking on people's doors uh, are they able to make media appearances, write press releases? There's a lot involved into trying to run an election. And even though school boards typically aren't high-intensity elections, they still involve a lot of what I just said. Uh, and uh, so is it very difficult for you to find candidates to run? Uh, I'll, I'll say a couple things. Uh, number one, any being a candidate at all is difficult. Um, it is a lot of work. You will have to ask people for money. Um, you will have to commit time to knocking on doors, 
and going to community events and fairs, um, you know, build up a team of volunteers, you will most definitely have to deal with, you know, Facebook keyboard warriors from your local liberal groups. Um, that is part of politics now, and it does not go away. And in some cases, it even gets worse when you're on the local level. Uh, with that being said, most of the candidates that I've spoken with at this point in the hundreds are first-time candidates. They are not politicians. Um, these people, all great people, they make a point of telling me I'm not a politician. I do not know how to campaign. I am learning this as I go along. Um, so if you do take that step to run for school board, you are not the only person. Uh, if you are worried about the time commitment or you are really reluctant to run in the first place, but you feel like you really want to make a change to your community, um, all of those circumstances have happened before and they will always happen. Many of the people I've spoken with did not want to run for school board, but they saw the stuff that was happening in their community and being taught to their children and they realized, I have no choice. Uh, it certainly helps when you become a candidate to get plugged into your parent organizations if you have not been already. It is very helpful to be plugged into any political organizations or nonprofit organizations, um, especially because that gives you a, a good base. Friends um, are make the great make some of the greatest volunteers um, and some of your best early supporters. In terms of qualifications, that part does not really matter. Um, I've spoken to school board candidates who are former and retired educators. I've spoken to school board candidates who are local business owners. I've spoken to school board candidates uh, where they are retired and their grandparents and they want to make sure that their grandchildren grow up in a community um, that teaches them to love their country and love the people around them. People of all stripes can do it. Uh, it is not a matter of qualification. It is a matter of hitting the pavement, asking people for money, and being active in the community. Um, first step, start going to school board meetings, learn how the school board works, get involved with parent groups. Uh, if you are a mom and you want to get involved in a group, check out Moms for Liberty. They're opening up chapters all over the country. They're a great resource. Uh, if you are not a mom, you can go to any other organization, I suppose. Um, but now these people are winning. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of the school board candidates uh, that I have talked to have been women. They have been, uh, I think, one Facebook comment on our Facebook page called the Mama Bears. In a large part, it's the women who are, are getting really, really riled up about what's happening to their children. Um, the men are there, uh, but in, in terms of you know what you might see in politics, where it's pretty dominated by men in a lot of spaces, um, school board candidates, it's it's a lot of mama bears. And uh, well, there's been some men getting arrested too that we've interviewed on this show. Um, so it's uh, and and now these people are winning. I mean that that must be that's why you're seeing this uh, sort of a groundswell now, I guess, in in referrals and candidates. It's like. Yeah, it might be a really rough thing to do, and it's hard to be a candidate, but my gosh, you know, it's there for you. Go grab it. 
and they're and they're doing it. Well, I might be overly optimistic about this, but I think if you do change the school boards in this country, you will change the country. Mm-hmm. It may take 15, 20 years down the line to see that change, but I think it can change the country. I think the schools uh, have been damaging these kids. They've been teaching them to hate America. Horribly. They've been teaching them to hate themselves. They've been teaching them to hate anything that made this country great. And they've been doing it for decades now. And it took decades for what we're watching to actually start happening. So it might take decades from now to see it turn around. But if we are going to take this country back for God and country, then I think it has to start with the very simple thing of getting out to vote for those school board members. Right. I think I just think that's right now well, the most important elections that is occurring every year in this country is who is going to be teaching our kids. Not who the president of the United States is or your congressman is, who your state reps are, but who's going to be teaching your kids. It goes straight to what our connection with our kids, um, which needs to be reestablished been so damaged by social media and by these schools. Well, Adrian, I want to thank you for joining our show today. And uh, I'm sure our listeners and viewers are going to appreciate all the uh, comments that you had and your insight, your recommendations, and how you and your organization, the 1776 uh, Project Pack, has helped uh, down in Florida and is helping turning this country back around. Uh, so thanks for joining our show. Yeah, thank you. And and anyone interested in learning more about us, uh, our website is 1776projectpack.com. I look forward to seeing people fill out our form. And we'll have that up on our uh, podcast so that people can see it throughout the podcast. Uh, so and all the people that joined us this week to watch and listen to Shout Out Patriots, thank you. We appreciate everyone out there. They are our fans, and they agree with us that patriots need to start shouting out, and we want to help them shout out, and we want to bring in patriots around the country who are being ignored by the mainstream media but are doing tremendous things. I mean, this story here has not received a lot of news coverage, and I bet a lot of people, most of the people in the country are completely unfamiliar with this tremendous victory that took place on August 23rd of this year. So it's going to be programs like this to help spread the news that the regular media wants to bury deep and make sure that you never hear about. So come join us again next week, and we're going to have another interesting topic. I can't say exactly for sure uh, what it's going to be, but uh, we do have an invitation out to a member of Congress that I'm hoping he will accept and come on our show and talk about a bill in the U.S. House of Representatives that got passed that it's going to allow the feds to ask you some very personal questions. 120 different federal agencies are going to be able to ask you some questions. I'm sure you're not going to want to answer. But if it passes the Senate, Biden's already said he's going to sign it into law. So come join us again next week. We'll be excited to have you uh, joining our show. Yeah.